0: I also wanna take time today to remember the hostages. And I'm gonna show you a short clip from our Israel Five-Way War in Grace episode. It's still on YouTube. And I want you to uh, remember again the hostages that are still being held, over 120, 130 of them. We have them still on the wall. We've taken down all that have been released or have been killed that we know of but there's still so many on the wall and we're gonna keep that there until we know the fate of these people. This is where families are coming, friends of those that are hostages are coming. People are assembling here from all over Tel Aviv and really all over Israel because it gives you a common place to show your support and your solidarity for those being held hostage. Now, there have been a number released, but there are still about 150 left in captivity. This is a poignant place. They have a table that's empty, a Shabbat table. They have these hanging hearts with people's names, and as they're being released, they're painting those hearts. And then here, they have a huge board that shows the number of days hours minutes and seconds of the captivity very emotional place a place that uh, I believe it's good for people to come because you have a place a central place and there's some family of hostages I was able to sit down and speak with a woman her husband was taken captive and as I was talking to her her story sounded familiar and I started to realize that I had just spoken with her brother a couple weeks ago in the capital And he was also talking about his brother-in-law trying to push Congress and the United States to put pressure on getting these hostages released. So we need to continue to pray that possibly uh, he would be released and uh, pray for everybody here. Pray for every person here that, that through this tragedy, they would see the need for God and see the need for the Lord in our lives. I was amazed by what some might call a coincidence, that I met two hostage family members, one in Washington, D.C., one in Tel Aviv. I had not met any others in my whole experience here or there, and they were brothers and sisters. Of, of all the things, how could that have been connected? Uh, they've been in captivity now for 113 days, 14 hours, 46 minutes, and eight seconds, This is Omri Moran. He is the one, the uh, husband of the woman at Hostage Square that I was talking to, the uh, brother-in-law of the one that I was talking to in Washington, D.C., in the Capitol. And I want to ask a special prayer for him, for his release, and also for the release of all those that are still hostage. I also want to bring up a released hostage, a four-year-old girl, Abigail Idan, Abigail was taken hostage, and her parents have been killed. Uh, She has been released. She's four, and uh, her uncle and aunt are taking her in, and uh, she's been reunited with her siblings and cousins and will, will grow up in a loving household. And in grace, our Bless Israel Fund has been able to donate to her that uh, that she can be uh, cared for and the money that she needs uh, to to survive and to be educated. And so I wanted to bring up these two before you, and let's pray for them and all the hostages. Father, we are bringing before you a really horrible situation as the the barbaric, the rapist, Hamas, has done things that we can't even comprehend, things that uh, we don't even know if it have ever happened in our world, especially in what we call the civilized world, uh, Lord, but, but there are many still there. And Father, we pray for all of them right now, but especially Amri Moran. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would protect and help and guide, and, and, and we, we call for his immediate release, and we pray that that would happen. Lord, we also bring before you little Abigail that will grow up all the rest of her life without her parents. We thank you, Lord, that she is loved. And Lord, we thank you that we can support her and help her in our ministry. And so, Father, we bring before you these dear souls. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What happened in Israel um, has been described as the worst thing since the Holocaust. And that's a profound profound statement. If, if you aren't well-versed in the history of the Holocaust, you get yourself to the LNA Holocaust Museum in Skokie tomorrow. I mean, tomorrow or today. Get there. Go to the Holocaust Museum in Washington. Go to Yad Vashem in Jerusalem. Watch documentaries. And Grace has a special on a local Holocaust survivor and we've had him several times in this pulpit, a, a child that lost his dad in Theresienstadt and, and would have gone off to Auschwitz to die, but was spared. And we have to know what happened. And it was a horrible, 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 horrible time. Well, what happened in Israel was the worst loss of life since the Holocaust. And I, I almost don't want to say what I'm going to say today, but I, I believe I need to. Um, We are friends of Israel. We are friends of the Jewish people. That's unconditional. We love you no matter what. A good friend will also tell you the truth, as I I believe the truth. And let me give you some things in Scripture, and I'm going to use mainly today the Hebrew Scriptures, the Hebrew prophets. By the way, why am I pro-Jew? Because my Savior, my Messiah, is Jewish. How do people not know that? Jesus, Yeshua, Jewish, his mother, uh, his, all everybody, I mean, the, the entire Bible, it's a Jewish book. All of the early believers that Jesus was Messiah, Jewish by the hundreds, by the thousands. Today, there are a million uh, Jewish people that look at Jesus as the Messiah. And so we are, we are friends of the Jewish people no matter what no matter what. But as a good friend, I want to answer the question, are harder times ahead for Israel? It's hard to imagine that it could be any worse, but I'm going, to, I'm going to go through some scriptures real quick. I know we don't have a lot of time. If you know anything about Baptists, you know we like to fellowship around food. Amen? And so we're going, to, we're going to make sure we get to that lunch to get to those soft pita pillows, the warm pita pillows. Um, Jeremiah 30. This is a prediction by one of the great Jewish prophets. And during this prediction, the northern kingdom, the 10 tribes in the north that had separated after Solomon had already been taken captive by Assyria and the southern kingdom was under threat. As you heard today, the temple was destroyed uh, just after this time. And he said in verse three, for lo, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will bring again the captivity of my people, Israel and Judah. So he mentions both. This is the entire nation of Israel encapsulated. Judah would be the southern kingdom um, and uh, Ephraim and uh, uh, Judah and then the northern kingdom. That God is going to bring them back. Back. And, and these verses, by the way, are in your bulletin in a uh, handout if you wanna take them home to study because this is what we need to know. We Really, you need to know this yourself, not what a pastor says or a priest says or even a rabbi. And I have some really good friends that are rabbis, but go right to the scriptures, okay? Go, just read it for yourself. What, is, what does God say? God can speak to us right through his holy word, okay? So Jeremiah says, I'm gonna bring again the captivity of my people, Israel and Judah, saith the Lord. I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall possess it. Now, some might say, well, this is after the captivity, the Babylonian and Assyrian captivity, they would come back. But I'm gonna read to you later that I don't believe that that was the return. They did return from captivity, but many didn't. Many stayed in those areas. And then we know there was a further dispersion after the time of Jesus, and the Romans, and that was the big dispersion when uh, the Jews were in the four corners of the earth. And even today, as I've traveled the globe, I found Jewish communities everywhere I go. It's amazing. But something happened in, in our lifetime or our parents' or grandparents' lifetime that is a miracle. The Jews have returned to the land. And you can, if you study that out, you cannot explain it humanly. How did that happen? But it did. So I believe it is a fulfillment of these words and they will continue to return. So it says in verse four, these are the words of the Lord spake concerning Israel, concerning Judah. For thus saith the Lord, we have heard a voice of trembling, of fear and not of peace. Ask ye now and see whether a man doth travail with child. Now that's an awful thought for every man in this room to think that, Um, to have to go through what our dear wives have to go through to to bring a child into this world. Uh, You all know men, we can't handle pain. Uh, If men were in charge of bringing children into the world, there wouldn't be no children in the world. So this imagery here is is awful to me. But just to imagine the the pain that I believe is to come. And, and And I hate to even say this, but I believe it is going to be worse than the Jews have ever experienced, even up to this point, what's what's still ahead. And it's it's sad. We should stand against it. We should make sure it doesn't happen, but the prophet is saying it will. Wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail, and all faces are turned into paleness? Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. Is that day still future? Was this some other time that's already passed or is this still future? Again, I believe it is future. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble. So we have a name for this time period, the time of Jacob's trouble. I'm not gonna go through all the details of these next verses. I want you to look at them on your own. But Isaiah also talks about this same thing and it's the same imagery, Isaiah thirteen eight. Micah also speaks of the same thing in Micah four, nine through 10. Um, in Daniel, there was a, a wonderful and amazing and detailed prophecy of a lot of things, by the way, the rise and fall of empires Daniel predicted. And people that uh, uh, read that said, well, there's no way that one Daniel could have written all these things beforehand because it's way too accurate. We know that no one knows the future. Therefore, there must have been several Daniels. But there's a big problem with that, isn't there? Uh, We didn't know as much about the civilization at that time that Daniel writes until recently in archaeological digs. So he knew too much uh, in order to have written it in modern times. So he had to have been... The one Daniel that the Bible describes, and he wrote about all this. Now he he writes in Daniel nine about something called the seventy weeks. Now I've done whole whole series on this, and I'm going to give you the thirty second version. What 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 would take days to explain? It's not that complicated, but basically, let's look at Daniel nine twenty seven. He had already talked about this this time of 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 seventy weeks. I believe the well the word week is shabua. And it is the idea of a, a, a group of seven. So we say the word dozen, it can mean dozen donuts, dozen eggs, right? So seven, a group of seven, what? Well, it uses the word weeks, but I think in the context here, it's the understanding of seven years. He's talking about the return, 70 years of captivity and the return back to Israel from the Babylonian captivity. So if we say it's 70, Shabuah, 70 years, then we have a time period of 490 years. And there's a division. There's 483 years, and then there's a final one week or seven more years. I believe that final week, the final seven years is future. And here's what you're going to look for. Verse 27. And he, and I believe this is the referring to the prince that shall come. So there's Messiah prince in Daniel 9, I believe referring to the Messiah. The Messiah has to come according to Daniel 9 in, in 480 years from the decree to return from the Babylonian captivity. We do know that that happened at a specific time, the time of Nehemiah, okay? There was a decree. And from that time, that's the time of the the Messiah's birth. That's the time period. And then it says, another prince that shall come, and I believe this is what we call the Antichrist. You've heard of, of that, shall confirm the covenant, which is a peace agreement, with many for one week. So if I'm correct in this, then there's a future seven-year period that's going to be started by a seven-year peace treaty, okay? So that's the start of the time of Jacob's trouble. And it says that in the middle of that, in the middle of this week, so three and a half years in, he, the Antichrist, will cause the Sacrifice and oblation to cease, and the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate. Now, there was a Greek king that desecrated the temple before Jesus, and this happened in 167 BC. Antiochus, Antiochus or Antiochus Epiphanes IV, uh, literally did exactly this, but I believe this is something future because Jesus spoke of it as still future. So I believe Antichus Epiphanes was a a shadow fulfillment of this prophecy, but the full fulfillment will be still in the future in the middle of the time of Jacob's trouble, okay? So if you wanna read about this more, it speaks about it in the last book of the Bible in Revelation in chapter 12. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew that it's gonna be a great tribulation, the worst since the beginning of the world, the worst that there ever will be. Now, does that mean that there's no hope? No, there is hope. There is the hope, Hatikva. And let's finish Jeremiah 30. In verse 7, the verse continues, but he shall be saved out of it. There is still hope, but there is a time of intense and awful persecution coming, and the temple is not there today. But the temple, I believe, will be rebuilt in the time of this future time that's coming. And we did a whole story, by the way, about the, the, the movement in Israel to rebuild the temple. And I believe it will happen. So all of this, well, let's continue in Jeremiah 30. It says in verse eight, and it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off thy neck and will burst thy bonds and strangers shall no more serve themselves of him but they shall serve the Lord their God and king and David their king whom I will raise up unto them so there is a time when Israel will live in safety without the bonds of gentile domination you say well Israel today is independent and that is true and and they are powerful but they still have to uh, often do the bidding of America. And I'm glad America in this crisis did the right thing and stood with them. Some have argued that America caused the crisis because of a weak Middle East policy. That's not the topic of today's discussion, but I will commend our president for going to Israel and staying, standing with Israel in the time that they needed him and needed us. So I thank God for America to do the right thing at this time. But there's going to be a day when they will have the land, they will live in safety, they won't have the bonds anymore, there will be no more threat, and there will be a king from David sitting on the throne in Jerusalem. And, and by the way, David spoke of this in Psalm 110, you can read that on your own. David spoke of one that would be descendant, descendant of him, but that he would call Lord. Okay, isn't that interesting? So here's this fulfillment. I believe in Zechariah 12. Zechariah spoke of this in verse 10. I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. It says they, meaning Israel, the Jewish people, shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his own son, only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. It's a horrible time and I'm really sad that it's going to have to happen. Why would God allow these things? That's a big question, isn't it? That's a tough question. I was sitting on a plane, an LL flight from Bombay, India to Tel Aviv. And I was sitting by a dentist who was Jewish returning home from a conference. And I said to him, I said, you're proof that that there is a God. He said, why? I said, because you have survived every attempt at annihilation, the Jewish people. He looked at me with tears in his eyes and said, That's why I don't believe in God. Because why would God allow all of these things? And I can't explain everything, but I do know there is hope. I do know there is hope. And I'll just explain my faith and why I believe that I've been saved by my Jewish Messiah. Uh, The Bible says that we're all sinners. Actually, Isaiah said it very well. There is no one righteous, there's no one, uh, there's not one We've all fallen away. The best we have to offer God is nothing but filthy rags. And there are a lot of good people that are trying to be religious, trying to say, you know, I want to I try to earn God's redemption or earn God's favor. But the problem is we are tainted. We're sinners. So God promised through his word, through the holy Jewish prophets, over and over and over a coming Messiah. The Messiah, the Bible says, would be born in Bethlehem. In Bethlehem Judah, Bethlehem Ephrathah. The Bible says that he would come in a certain time frame, and that would be in the first century. The Bible says that he will be sold for 30 pieces of silver. These are all Hebrew scriptures. Over and over, the Bible gives us all the indicators of who this person is. And I've seen that person as the one that has changed my life. And his name is Yeshua. His name is Jesus. And the Bible says that he died on the cross. By the way, he wasn't murdered. How could could someone kill God, murder God? They can't. So he had to be willing. Just like Isaac. Isaac, when he was being offered by his father, Abraham. Abraham was old. Isaac was a strapping teenager. Isaac was willing. Jesus was willing. A willing sacrifice. He was put onto a cross. The Bible said, Uh, Cursed is every man that hangeth on a tree. uh, These are Old Testament. These are are Hebrew scriptures. Um, And there he died. Why? Well, he died innocent. He died perfect. He was born without the sin nature, as predicted, that he would be born of a virgin. He died, though, as a human for our sins. The Bible says that he was put into the grave All of his followers thought it was over. Even though he said, I'm going to rise again, I'm going to rise again, I'm going to rise again. They all lost hope. There was a stone. It was sealed. There was a Roman guard. I mean, they're not going to take any chances by somebody stealing his body and saying that he rose again. Well, the Bible says that in three days, the stone was moved and the tomb was empty. That's how I know that he is who he said he was the Messiah, the anointed one. When we, when we say Christ, it's a, a Latin word that means anointed one, promised one, Messiah. So when we say Jesus Christ, we're saying Yeshua, HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah. And if he is alive, if he rose again, he did all these miracles, he healed the lame, just as it was predicted in the scriptures. And there he was alive and he died for our sins, the Bible says. And the Bible says very clearly that God loved the world. Jesus said these words For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible says in Genesis that Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. When did Abraham believe God? Was it when he was offering Isaac? No, it was actually way before that, Genesis 15. He believed God. How are we saved? Abraham looked forward to the Messiah. We look back to the Messiah the same way. There is salvation. There is hope. There is a king coming from David that will sit on David's throne that David will call Lord, and I put my faith in him. Somebody said, well, if I'm Jewish and if I, if I start to study this out and I do see that he actually is the one that was predicted, would I no longer be Jewish? No, no, no. You, if Jesus is the Jewish Messiah, listen carefully, The most Jewish thing you can do is believe in him, right? So you don't stop becoming Jewish, become Jewish. You've actually found the one that the Bible is speaking of. So I love the Jewish people, end of story. We're gonna support them. We're gonna honor them. We're gonna stand by them no matter what. And uh, we're going to do everything we can to prevent further atrocities against them. We're gonna pray for them. We're gonna love them. And I wanted to love you so much that I wanted to share what I've seen in scripture about the time of Jacob's trouble.